What's up, everybody? Uh, in this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we jump into the NFL, uh, discussing Lucky Whitehead's bad luck, and RG's three uh, getting a, getting a look with the San Diego Chargers. And we also take a deep dive into the chaos, which is uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James. So, t- uh, so stay tuned. We look forward to a great show. I'm doing good. I'm living a dream. <laughs> ah, nothing like living a dream. Well, you know, another wild week of sports has been going on. Yeah, I figured we start today or this evening discussing this peculiar situation with the Dallas Cowboys and Lucky Whitehead and your take on what this situation is. Me personally, I think Dallas was looking for an out and use the first opportunity to, to, to cut them without having any facts or gathering any information about the situation. But hey, you know, I'm here and I'm in, I'm in Baltimore. What do I know? Well, <laughs> for me, I think the whole thing is it's a tad bit bizarre, but then it just cites to the Dallas Cowboys dysfunctionality that they have as a team overall, in my opinion. I mean, so did they just cut them? Oh, well, what does it prove that he didn't do it? It was um, misidentification, yet they want to talk about a pattern of behavior. So, I mean, all the news at the Cowboys camp has not been all that good of late. I mean, you got Whitehead, you got Ezekiel Elliott, his multitude of issues, which Jerry Jones comes out and said he's not a bad guy and he's good and nothing's going down. I guess he probably talked to, uh, you know, the angels of the NFL and got his boy clear so he wouldn't get suspended. But, um, I don't know. The overall Dallas Cowboys is just a hot mess. I mean, Whitehead, it was just weird. I mean, being misidentified for the person that shoplift. And then, I mean, why do you need to shoplift is my my question. I mean, if you're going to not advocate any crime, but if you're going to do some crime, you're going to do something a little more serious than, than shoplift for a guy that's, you know, trying to get put on the NFL. And we'll have a little bit of money to buy certain things, not to shoplift out of a local store. So to me, it was just the whole thing was just bizarre with that particular situation. But right. then, but then it's the Cowboys opening in a training camp, and they always got some issues swirling on. They got a couple of players, if I'm not mistaken, going to be suspended for the first two or three games of the season. So, which has been for the last two or three, you know, years. So, to me, it's just another thing, another problem. That is the Dallas Cowboys always at the end. You always seem to screw it up on themselves. But I mean, report has it that he wasn't even in Virginia <laughs> at the time when it happened. <laughs> That's why it's so bizarre. I mean, to me, allegations alone should have been enough to cut the player. But I mean, he's he's not Zico Elliott. He's not. Dak, he's not, you know, Dez. So even at the smell of impropriety for somebody that's minor, what are they going to do? Keep him around. They just got rid of him just to get rid of him because they're trying to keep things as quiet as possible. Possibly overreacted. In this case, it appears to be that they overreacted, but 
with all the bad precedents swirling around that team, they just want to try to keep things as quiet as they possibly can. I I just find it amazing. Um, from the from what I heard, I heard that the dude gave um, my head's information when he got caught, um, including I guess his date of birth for social. So they just took it and ran with it, like. And if that is true, is it's so funny, like you said, with the Cowboys, what they're doing, because it's amazing that they would release him at the drop of a hat, but keep some of the other players that are suspended with no problem at all. Like, one person comes to mind is Greg Hardy. So, you know, it's it's amazing that the Cowboys, being the Cowboys that they are, that they're willing to, to just automatically let go of something of someone that, that minor, but yet they keep it, it's, it's hypocritical to, in my opinion. That's just my opinion though. I read that part of the reason, but I, I also read, excuse me, I read this earlier, where Whitehead didn't clear waivers because I guess it got sent in too late. So technically he didn't get Picked up by another team, or he, uh, I, I can't really figure out how that whole thing works. But technically, he could still be a cowboy. But the Cowboys are saying they're not going to they're not going to bring him back because he drafted Ryan, uh, Ryan Switzer out of North Carolina to pretty much do the kick returning and I guess be that fifth receiver or the sixth receiver on the team. So you know, it's just weird. But I guarantee that. Whitehead was their primary returner for points and uh, kickoffs, I believe. And he was pretty he was pretty nice. I mean, granted, he didn't have a big role in the passing game, but um, I guarantee he'll probably get picked up by somebody and be a nice asset for another team, like the lowly Jets. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I was thinking that when you did say that about how somebody's going to pick him up. I wouldn't be surprised if New York Jets does pick him up. There's some other teams out there, but I, I wouldn't be too surprised if I hear Jets get them. Yeah, you know, heck. Um, uh, word on the street is that uh, RG3 got, a, got getting looked at by the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, trying to come in on the backup spot. It'll be interesting to see if he uh, gets picked up by somebody. That's another thing. It's, it's still amazing the fact that, you know, in – I don't want to get all too political and stuff like that, but still amazing the fact that RG3, um, players like RG3 and Colin Kaepernick are still out there. Um, and the fact, well, I, we already know about Colin Kaepernick and that whole ordeal, but the thing about it is that it's still amazing that RG3 still hasn't gotten a chance, even if you, you're trying for like the third squad. Um, with the amount of success that he had, I'm just still amazed the fact that he still hasn't gotten picked up or looked at at this point. Well, yeah. Oh, by all means, sir. No, nah, I was going to say, you know, uh, RG3, he's just like, he's like too injury prone, in my opinion. I don't think anybody really wants to take that chance with him. I mean, even when he got to the Browns, I mean, what was it like? One game, one half or a quarter? And then, you know, he took that hit and that was basically, <laughs> that was basically it for the season for him. So, um, you know, he's injury prone, whereas Colin Kaepernick, like you said, I'm not in the mood to get all the you know, politics, but, you know, call it what it is. He's being blacklisted without being officially saying he's blacklisted, so. Well, 
I'm, I'm just going to keep it strictly on a football football uh, talking point when I say with RG3 and Colin Kaepernick. I think, especially both of those quarterbacks, I think they were kind of pigeonholed uh, into a specific offense. And, you know, I think a lot of NFL teams are looking at, you know, trying to find, you know, put a, a square peg in a round hole where RG3 is that read option spread quarterback. Connor Carpet, uh, Kaepernick is a I'm going to say he was a hybrid read option spread. I think the, the fact that he was able to rip off those big runs kind of made teams real uh, made defenses real honest and uh, Harbaugh utilized his talents to the fullest and when he was doing his thing you can see that the 49ers are untouchable. Same with RG3 and the magical run that the Redskins had his rookie year. You know, once he really got comfortable running the offense, you know, RG3 just got real big-headed and just said, I don't want to run this offense no more. He, he could just automatically become a drop-back passer. But, dude, I mean, call a spade a spade. You are what you are. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question, though. Is it now – I mean, do you think that now um, – because, like you said, they pretty much were run type of quarterbacks now. Um, do you think that with the league going the way that it is, you think that it's going to be a dying breed of people that is a combo where they throw and run at the same time? Because um, it seems as though that the quarterbacks is now solely focusing on just passing instead of running, running, you know, for big games. Seattle, Seattle uses the read option. Russell yeah, Wilson, but, Russell Wilson but, is smart to get down. Yeah, but Russell Wilson doesn't like run big yardage like what like RG. Well, uh, yeah, let me let me backtrack off of that. Um, I I agree with you, but you have to you have to credit Seattle's offensive coordinator who who picks and chooses when to use that type of uh, particular play. You know, RG three is probably you know one two three. I don't see nothing. I'm gone. Whereas uh, Russell Wilson will sit there and survey the field. And decide if he can't do nothing, then he may take off and then also have design running plays. But it still comes down to the fact that Wilson will slide. RG3 thinks that he's some sort of 260-pound linebacker that can sit there and take on D tackles and line, whatever, and think he can absorb a hit. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, but but I think you, I don't think you're going to see them phased out. I think you're going to still see teams bring them on. Um, I think the more – I think the more college coaches that you have that will get picked up by the NFL, say like a John Harbaugh that's used to dealing with those kind of quarterbacks, can probably be able to more incorporate them in the offense where you have strictly NFL coaches that all they know is a more pro-type offense. And you won't see – you'll see them get picked up, but you'll see them shifted around and change to halfback or wide receiver or they'll try to give them a run. But they want quarterbacks that are more like a – like Aaron Rodgers that can that will pass first but has the ability to run. Almost like how Donovan Nab was. He could run, but he passed first but then ran second. So that's what they want. They don't want the read option. They want they want a mobile quarterback, but they want them to stick in the pocket and then run instead of just running first and then trying to pass second. I still believe that that style of offense will become uh more of a feature in the upcoming NFL seasons. I think um, 
because regardless of what one may think, just because the running backs, I'm sorry, the quarterbacks aren't running, more and more teams are using read option looks to help with their passing game. Because if they have a quarterback that's somewhat mobile, they can get that look to say, and, it, and it, all it is is that when they're in that pistol formation or they're in that shotgun formation and they sit there and kind of just ride the ball in the, the running back's uh, gut and pull it out and, and start passing the ball, that's still read option. It's just the fact that the quarterback is just not running the ball. It's just making the DNs and the linebackers a little bit more honest to respect the fact that the running back may run the ball, the quarterback may run the ball, or the quarterback may pass. That's it. It's there. It's just that the quarterbacks aren't running. And it's going to be a time when a certain type of quarterback comes out and um, makes themselves available that could really be that. I mean, because look at Cam Newton. Cam Newton is, is the prototypical read option type of dude, but he's built like a linebacker. He can absorb those hits. And you did see them already talk about how they want to kind of limit that that, that hitting that he's taking because he can absorb it, but eventually it's going to catch up to him. So I know they've been talking about limiting his, you know, that, you know, option where he just, you know, takes the ball and run. But, yeah, I agree with you. He's he's one of the few exceptions to the rule. And then it boils down also to college football is so different than pro as far as what college coaches are trying to run and putting emphasis, you know, the emphasis on putting points on the board and making things more exciting. And it's just a different breed of quarterbacks that are coming up. So something's got to give. I've been saying this for years now. Something's got to give. Either the NFL is going to bend and break and start utilizing the offenses more that are they're being used in high school, college, and peewee. Because they're learning this stuff from way back when they're little transcending all the way through college, and then all of a sudden uh, a team like, uh, I don't know, Dallas picks a quarterback that's been running read option and air raid and tries to turn him into a uh, pro quarterback and then wonder why their quarterback is a bust. <laughs> I mean, think about uh, if, you know, if you want to go with the Jets, I mean, they picked up uh, Geno and they picked up uh, Bryce Petty. They both ran similar offenses in college. And wonder why they think that Gino was a bust. Wonder why Bryce Petty isn't working out the way they want to. Because they're trying to teach them how to be pro-style quarterbacks when they weren't pro-style quarterbacks in college. Some of them jokers didn't even know how to take their snaps on the center. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? I blame that on the owners. The owners picked the GM who picked the coaches that, of the style that they want. If the owner says, I want, I want a, you know, a more college-type, you know, pistol read option offense he's going to tell his gm to get a coach that's going to and coaches that are going to run that so it's going to start with the owners first and right now the owners at this particular point ain't looking to change anything because no owner or no few owners have really stepped out on that limb to do it and prove a lot of success once you get two or three owners that do that and they start getting a lot of success and start winning some super bowls then guess what everybody's going to do it like they always do. But until now, no one is going to – no one's really going to step out the limb like that. I know my Giants ain't going to do it. <laughs> well, Philly and San Fran was on that cusp. <laughs> and 
because Andy Reid knew how to, you know, use use those people's skill sets to, you know, the best of their abilities. He just he just ran his time out in Philly. <laughs> well, I was I was thinking more so when uh, Chip Kelly came in at Philly. Well, I was, yeah, Chip Kelly, but that was he was running his Oregon offense, but he got he got he got big on himself, and he was thinking that he could sit there and just plug in certain players, and thinking that any player can run his system and be successful at it when he realizes he needs stars. Well, let's, let's, hey, hey, if he could turn Mark Sanchez from what he did at Giants to what he did in Philadelphia, being the person that he was, like, he turned Mark Sanchez completely 180'd him. Like, everything in New York, remember, was the butt face. Um, And then now when you see him in Philadelphia, when he was under that system, he thrived. And when he could do something like that, then you're going to get majority of the people to believe in the offense that he's done. So, I mean, I have to give credit where credit is due because he, when Mark, I mean, Mark um, Sanchez wasn't even the first string quarterback. I think it was third that season. Yeah, he had Nick Foles. Yeah. Nick Foles turned into, you know, and he, you know what, Nick Foles to be thanking Chip Kelly in that offense system because he got paid off of that. Agreed. But that was, like I said, that was the owner wanting to go out there and pick that coach that ran that type of offense and led him to a certain, you know, fortunately to a fault, do his own thing. Well, I still think that something um, these, these coaches that are coaching now are getting older. Not that in the NFL you have to be some young cat, but you know, the, the, the type of talent that's out there. You know, it, it, well, put it like this. You know, it's it's pretty bad. Not bad in a sense, but when you look at some of the quarterbacks that drafted high, um, Mitchell Trubisky's of the world, uh, Wentz that came out of North Dakota State, one double A. They're really reaching to try to get these pro-style quarterbacks into the NFL because there's so many – uh, air raid, uh, uh, read option type quarterbacks in, in the college system now. They're really reaching to these far depths of these schools, thinking any pro style quarterback that has any semblance of a decent college career and drafting them top, you know, top rounds, which is crazy to me. <laughs> well, see, I blame this on a SWAT conference in the Big Ten. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I agree with that. runs the pro, but a lot of these offenses. I'm about to say, <laughs> you know, but hey, uh, right now I guess with the NFL gearing up the last couple of weeks before training camp, I think uh, things going to be all quiet on the front here leading into the NFL unless anything goes wrong with Zeke and the Cowboys. I don't think anybody, no other team, is really making any major noise at the moment trying to finalize their training camp rosters and such. So that being said, why don't we take a take a turn left? Let's, let's do like Bugs Bunny and, you know, dig, dig our little hole. And, you know, we end up in Cleveland where we thought we should have made a right in Albuquerque. Because what was going on with my man Kyrie, the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James wanted to kick his ass. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's getting real. It's getting real crazy out there, man. <laughs> so, so, so somebody tell me. I, I find it even more ridiculous with more stories and more sources coming out every day. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm. All right. From the latest, from what I heard today, from what Stephen A. was saying, was the fact that. Um, <clears throat> LeBron wasn't really upset at the fact that um, Kyrie wanted to be traded. Um, more so that he understood, I guess, he was a little bit more understanding. From what I've heard from what Stephen A. was saying, if I could make the, you know, if I could shorten it, it was basically the fact that he was saying that um, LeBron was upset the fact that Kyrie is blaming him for putting the, the news out there that he wanted to be traded. Uh, that's pretty much, you know, not the fact that, you know, it's true or not. The fact that, you know, Kyrie, you know, obviously didn't want to continue to play with LeBron um, for whatever reason, you know, because he wanted to be, the, I guess, the main man. But the thing is, is that, you know, LeBron was just more upset the fact that, you know, Kyrie was blaming him for putting it out there that Kyrie wanted to be traded. I think that's really what the gist of all that is. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a head scratcher, but not surprising. I mean, if I mean if you think about it, I mean you know Kyrie, you know, hey, when he signed that contract extension a couple of years ago, it was under the impression that he was going to be the man. Then several days later, LeBron, not telling anybody exactly where he was going to go, he kind of hinted that he might go, but no one really knew. All of a sudden. Now he's coming back to Cleveland. He's the man, Dan Gilbert, you know, falling back on to focus and that offense and that team is built, was built around him. So, I mean, yes, he was losing when he first got to Cleveland because they had no squad because everything was gutted out. So, I mean, he had some losing seasons. I mean, God forbid the last, you know, first round pick that he had is not even in the, um, in the league anymore. What his name was Bennett, but, um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I mean, you look at it, I mean, I can understand from a certain degree where Kyrie's at. I mean, he I mean, he told the line. They had lots of success. But, I mean, I can't fault the man for wanting to run his own ship. I mean, you know, you leave a LeBron, you're going to leave LeBron, whatever. But, I mean, I think I don't like the way he went down, even though a lot of people said Cleveland knew how this information is coming out to the public makes it all look bad, you know, both of them. But um, it's, like I said, it's, I was kind of shocked, but it's not totally surprising because you have to look at how Kyrie came to the league, came to the team, then LeBron comes after he signs the extension. My guess is if he knew that LeBron was coming to that team, I'm very curious whether he would have signed that extension or whether he would have opted to go somewhere else. Let's take it back to what year was it when KG and Paul and uh, Ray Allen decided they wanted to take their talents to Boston and join Paul Pierce and form, I guess, what we would consider the modern day big three, be a trade or be a free agency instead of it being um, something that's been, you know, culturally created through GM or, or, or uh, draft picks, et cetera. You know, I'm not talking about 
the Showtime Lakers and Boston Celtics from the 80s or something. I was talking about from the late 90s, early 2000s moving forward. And from that point on, that Boston Celtics team, I guess, started a trend, which caused Miami to go out there and do what they did. Now, if I'm Kyrie, and I got the best player on the planet willing to want to come back home to Cleveland, and it seems as though everybody wants to be about getting rings nowadays. It's not so much about um, trying to lead their teams because it doesn't seem like there's any. It doesn't seem like there's any loyalty, and uh, with camaraderie nowadays because everybody seems to be out for self. I think that's what Charles Barkley is always talking about. In my time, nobody would ever have been doing these sort of things because they want to lead their team to a championship. So when they're in the twilight of their careers, they decide to go join other teams and see if they can. But I digress. My point is, if I'm Kyrie, I'm 23 at the time, 22 when I signed my contract, and I got a, I got a LeBron coming in at 29, really getting into the peak of his career, and he led teams that were less efficient than what Kyrie had as far as talent, and led them to the championship, or at least led them to the playoffs in one NBA appearance, one NBA Finals appearance when he's in Cleveland, I'd be a stat. I know I have the opportunity to win multiple ch- multiple chances to get rings, and obviously they went through straight years. So, like you said, Earl, I applaud the man for sitting there saying that he wants to go out there and be the man. Um, He's going to learn the hard way. Because it's not like he's saying, trade me to a trash team. Look at the teams that he wants to go to outside of the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> outside, and the only reason he chose the Knicks, because we know he's from Jersey, and it's close to coming to play for, playing, playing at home. Every other team that he's asking to go to has pieces. And it'd be a piece that put that team over the top. So he's just leaving being one giant piece to a puzzle to then join another team to be that piece to put them over the top. And I guess he'll be that, that savior to say I was the one that did that. Does it really matter in today's time? It's going to be very difficult for him to even have that recognition with the teams that you mentioned outside of the Knicks. Um, because let's be honest, San Antonio, he's not going to be the man in San Antonio. I'm sorry. Um, Kawhi's team. Yeah, that's that's always going to be Kawhi's team right now. Um, Minnesota, I guess it all depends on what they give back. Um, but other outside of that, that's going to still be Jimmy Butler's team. Um, Miami with um, Goran Dragic, if even if they send Goran Dragic and they send Justin Winslow. Um, it's still not going to really be his team outside of – I mean, it will be interesting to see what him and Deion Waiters would do with the right side. But outside of that, I just don't see no other team outside the Knicks being – for them to accept them and be the true star. Even though Porzingis will still get majority of that recognition, but that will probably be his own – that will be Kyrie Irving's team. But I, I – go ahead. Go back to what you said with him going playing with Deion Waiters in Miami. He was playing with him in Cleveland. He wouldn't do it for that. <laughs> but 
you have to also understand that it wasn't just Deion Waiters that they had. They didn't really have a good team before LeBron got there. I mean, they were playing with people with Deion Waiters, Alonzo G, um, some other, you know, like players that they're not even in the league right now. So it wasn't, I would like, I I'm, I'm, would be interested to see if he was to go to Miami, I would be interested to see how that team would go, depending on who go, you know, who get, who Cleveland gets in return. It's basically all depends on what Cleveland gets in return. I but mean, I'm, because. But I'm curious to something. Think about when LeBron was first with Cleveland. Who do you have, Mo Williams? Yeah, he had Mo Williams. He had um, Boogie Gibson, um, Anderson Valjao. But he had he had a he had a better squad. Yeah, he, he had came Mark in Jameson. Yeah, way they, more than when when Kyrie got there. Kyrie had nothing there. No, no, definitely. I completely agree with you. Kyrie was a man by himself, outside of Deion Waiters and. Deion Waiters was a young Deion Waiters, so he really didn't like do what he was supposed to do. Mo Williams is a is, the cast with Mo Williams, Antoine Jameson, you know, those were a, a better cast of people than what Kyrie Her- Irving had. I'm sorry. Um, they did a lot more damage. They was in the playoffs. Kyrie's team wasn't even in the playoffs. They was fighting for um, number one position, you know, number one in the draft. So I, I like the, the 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 roster that Kyrie's team had was were not at all was not in comparison to what LeBron had when he was in their first year in Cleveland. And and we're, and we're going off the we're going off the, the premise that you know even though Kyrie stays, what's to say that LeBron's going to stay one or two or three years because he's never even made that even even efficient. I mean. Though his track record, he could walk after next year, and then that team that was. I mean, let's face it, was built for LeBron, doesn't suit him that well. So now you got to move some pieces around. You may or may not get that talent that will suit him well. So he could – LeBron could walk and go wherever he wants to go, and Kyrie could be stuck with a team, which without LeBron, really, all you have is parts that may not mesh well with him. So well, hold on. Like, but hold on. But hold on. Are we trying to acknowledge that Love wasn't an all-star prior to coming to Cleveland? No, Love was an all-star. Not an all-star. Exactly. So I'm saying with LeBron not being there, Kyrie would still become the man again. Love would be his sidekick putting up – you don't think that Love would put up the points that he was doing in Minnesota? It's not the Love aspect. They still won't be Kyrie's team because – Let's be honest. Because LeBron did what he did – LeBron did what he needed to do. He got Cleveland the championship. Right. No matter what happens after that, LeBron can go to a different team. Doesn't matter because in Kyrie is going to always be in LeBron's shadow, no matter what. If he stays in Cleveland, no matter what, because if Cleveland doesn't make the playoffs or doesn't do anything further after LeBron leaves, and Kyrie is still there, the first thing that they're going to say is is that you know, you know it's. Kyrie can't do it by himself. He needs LeBron. This, if LeBron was here, you know, you know how beloved he would be. Like LeBron can leave now. Cleveland fans would still be appreciative because LeBron was the one that brought the title to Cleveland. But I mean, you won't acknowledge the fact that Kyrie took the last shot and um and you know to clinch it for them. They will acknowledge that what LeBron did, and I think that's why what what is what gets Kyrie so upset because. 
the stuff that the, the contributions that he may feel may be a lot more value, but it's always going to be still LeBron's team. It's going to be LeBron's team that brought them the championship. Not with you know you won't he won't mention like it was LeBron, Kevin, and Kyrie. It's always going to be LeBron's team. Even in discussion future years from now, it's going to be that time when LeBron took Cleveland Cavaliers to the finals and won the finals for Cleveland. So, so Kyrie can't stay in Cleveland if LeBron would leave and have that same uh, that same mentality as uh, Kobe. No, he thinking, no because everybody said that he couldn't do it without Shaq. Yeah, uh, you would have to trust. You have to trust in the fact that Dan Gilbert can build a team around Kyrie the same way that Jim Buss um, built a team around around um, Kobe. They got pop. They got Pauls off. Pauls all wasn't there when, when Shaq was there. They got a couple other ancillary pieces. Ron Artest. He wasn't there when Shaq was there. You leave. Um, LeBron leaves. Who did he bring on? J.R. Smith. Who did he bring? Who did he want? Evan Love. Who did he want? Kyle Korver. Who did he want? Slightly Shumper. Who did he want? Um, um, uh, Williams. These are all people that LeBron wanted to come in that, you know, suited and acclimated him well. We're not, we can't say for certain that those same players are going to suit Kyrie well because they don't all look at it. You got Kyrie, you got J.R. Smith, you got Shumper, you got Kyle Corbett. Too many shooters. I mean, it's it, it, it's no passion. They don't they don't mesh well. They can play, but they don't mesh well into a cohesive unit. And trust me, I mean, as much as LeBron brought that, you know, quote unquote, brought the Cavaliers a championship. If Kyrie goes, LeBron ain't winning another championship. And, and to be honest, not like, with that team he's on right now. He's not going to win it because trust me, if it wasn't for Kyrie, they wouldn't have won number two. And, and to be honest with you, and this falls back on management. You know that time when Kobe and Shaq was having their issues, Kobe wanted to be traded. But management wanted – management. he talked with management, and management worked it out with Kobe. This is a different issue because this is more with a teammate and player. And management is right now – it's so dysfunctional. Like, this is how it's, – it's, it's, it's like, what else can he do? Because think about it. If management was to do what it was supposed to have done and not cater to LeBron, you know, who's to say down the road they would have kept with the people, even if they did get a championship, who's to say that they would have been more built for the future than where they are right now? Because let's think about it. Once those people leave, you got nothing but veteran players. And to be honest, they're not really set up for the future. So they didn't expect for Kyrie to – they didn't expect for Kyrie to to basically leave. They expected him to stay and build around him. But now with Kyrie going, if he leaves and LeBron is going to leave, what's going to happen to Cleveland then? I mean, Kyrie is – I mean, like I said, I mean, you know, the grasses may not be green on the other side or wherever Kyrie ends up at. Who knows? I mean, in order for this decision to play well in his hands, he has to go somewhere where he's the man. And like Kobe, he has to win one, if not two. Right. That's the that's the only way people forgot the whole mess that happened when Shaq left and he stayed because he won two. Agreed. Agreed. Well, fellas, you know we can have this this uh, beautiful discussion about this and uh, 
many many other NBA type of topics if we had the time. And it seems as though we're we're coming up against the wall. So, fellas, let everybody know where they can find you. You know, let them be able to give us some comments and some feedbacks and possibly even some topics for for upcoming shows. Well, I used to be on the corner of 7th Street and Leland Ave back in the day, but however, <laughs> I digress. You can catch me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, and all the others, J-E-R-O-S-S-7 at. And of course, you could, well, you used to find me at Brave New World in Philadelphia. <laughs> First Friday. <laughs> no, but you can find me on um, Twitter and as well as Instagram. I am Al Qualls. And I used to run those hills of West Virginia. That's a lie. I ain't never run a damn hill in my life in West Virginia. Too many of those. <laughs> oh, there are hills up there. <laughs> but uh, you can find me, uh, CatDaddy1963, on uh, on Twitter. CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. So, fellas, once again, it's always a pleasure to, to sit here and discuss sports. We'd like to thank everybody for reaching out to us. Uh, and just sticking with us and standing by us and watching us grow and develop as we uh, take guys talking guys talking sports to a new level. So with that being said, I wish everybody a good night and look forward to chatting again next week. Later. <laughs>